Hi, everyone. I might try to use this. Does that work? Yes. All right. Hello. I thought that was... Everything I say will be right up there, so it becomes redundant for me to be here. Um, first off, thank you very much for inviting me here. It's my first time in Antwerp. Um, it was always very tempting to come visit here when I lived in London, and I didn't. And I'm, I regret that because it's a really great town and it's really good to be here for this event. So this is my opening statement. I'm a World Versa champion and I don't want to pay for your coffee. Um, it's meant to be a little bit, you know, what? Um, but it's really just, uh, it's kind of true right now. And I'll get back to what I mean by that. Let's start with this. I come from a town called Scaries. Uh, literally right there is where I grew up. I'm going back there tomorrow. It's about 45 minutes north of Dublin. So I studied music in the Royal Conservatory of Dublin for about six years, music composition, a degree which has really served me in no professional way at all. But um, I'm glad I did it. Um, and I would take this train journey uh, every morning at about five past six in the morning to go to one of the buildings in college in town. And if we kind of zoom into this yellow box here, it brings us to here to practice. Um, this is sort of the city center of Dublin, and just as a quick uh, point, right here is where uh, the competitions are all taking place in June. So WBC, Brewers Cup, Rico, West SE, World of Coffee. Who's going to Dublin? Hey, all right. Take a photo. <laughs> <laughs> You'll know where to go. All right, so if we zoom into here, this is the city center. A lot of you are going to be around this area most of the time. That's the train line coming through, and that's Pier Station where I would get off the train. And I would... Oh, and that's where 3FE is. That was a little uh, last-minute addition, which I totally forgot about. But that's where the original 3FE is. No longer now. It's What's it called? Vice? Vice, yeah. Um, but this is pretty much like where you're going to be a lot of the time in Dublin. These big cluster of green fields in the middle is Trinity College. And I would walk around Trinity over to Chatham Row, which is one of the buildings where I would um, basically could get a room with a piano and I would practice from when the doors open at 7 a.m. Um, so the reason this is important is because of that blue dot there. Anyone know what that place is? Cool. Um, what was that? Yes. Of course, the Irish. Was that the Irish in the room? Yes. <laughs> so this is Beauty's Cafe, where I worked for quite some time. Beauty's very famous, quite now, very large coffee company in Ireland and the UK. And they had a bunch of very large cafes around the country. This is the last one. Um, it's currently closed. I believe it's going to be closed for June as well. But um, they're sort of institutions in Ireland. And I worked there for a while. And I worked there when I was in my last few years at college. And this is the last time I can remember being a coffee customer. It's the last time I can remember actively paying for good coffee. Um, and that's important because over the last 10 years, I haven't been. So over the last 10 years, I moved to London, went to Square Mile Coffee, that competition thing, and then um, moved to America, in Chicago, where I live now, and worked for Intelligentsia Coffee for about seven years in a variety of roles. And I spent 10 years getting people to pay more for coffee, getting people to, you know, through marketing, through store design, through promotions, through education, through collaborations, through you name it, I was like, this is important, this is valuable, and you should pay more for it. That entire time, though, I wasn't paying for it. 
In fact, I was giving it away often in large amounts for free. Like, what's that? You've got an award ceremony coming up. You want 500 bags for your gift bags? Pfft, no problem. Here you go. In fact, I'll give you the new single origin we have that's like 30 bucks a pound. Here you go. Because it's good exposure. I wanted to be there. And I don't think I'm alone in this, but this is something I was doing. Then I had a baby. Um, you're like, where is this going? Um, <laughs> yeah. The former expertise we just had a moment ago, I'm, I'm taking a nosedive. We're going a different direction. Now, I left Intelligentsia last summer because I wanted to have a baby. And actually, in, in kind of hearing Taylor's talk earlier, it's because I wanted to have a different kind of change of lifestyle. I wanted to make room for being what important things were to me, which was this new family I was starting. And the big thing about having a baby was that I started to consume coffee in a different way. Um, before the baby, I would maybe go through one 12-ounce bag over a week. <laughs> Post-baby, a little bit different. It was a lot of coffee all of a sudden, and I needed it. And I cons it was, we were going through it so quickly. It was often French press. Um, I just needed coffee so much. And it's really expensive. And this is the big thing. I was like, gosh, that's really expensive. But suddenly I had to pay for it. And I was like, God, this is like four 12-ounce bags. It would be like $75, $80, you know, which is... Almost, what is it now to the euro? It's almost the same, isn't it? Dollar, euro. So yeah, you get it. Um, pretty expensive. Um, and I didn't always want to pay for that coffee. So um, <laughs> it got so bad that I, about two weeks into having a baby, I put this post on Facebook, um, which is pretty much a very thinly veiled request for free coffee uh, <laughs> from people. Um, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm up at 3 a.m. in the morning, I get coffee, and French press is cool, and I've, despite having care packages from people who are nice, I've still run out of coffee, and some people read this as it was intended. I got coffee from uh, PT's, uh, Stumptown, Counterculture, even uh, Conrad at Kofi in Poland was texting me on Facebook, was like, it seems like you just want free coffee. <laughs> Can I send you some coffee? And I was like, yes, please, that would be great. Um, but I can only do this once. Uh, and then I went to a dinner party. These are not my friends. I have no friends. <laughs> None of my friends are this beautiful. Uh, I didn't dare show you their faces. Um, but they, I said, hey, what can I bring? And they said, well, Tim's got dessert going and Heidi's going to do cocktails. We've got wine sort of, why don't you bring coffee? And I was like, you sure? And they were like, yeah. So all the coffee I had in the house, I brought all of it. Because I didn't know like, what to bring. I felt so bad that I, like, I just have coffee for them. So I grabbed this tote bag, filled it with all the coffee I had, went to the party, gave them all the coffee. They were like, are you sure? And I was like, it's just coffee. Take it. It's fine. And I remember specifically, I was quite keen on taking the tote bag because the tote bag had value to me. I was like, I, I like that tote bag. You got to give me that tote bag back. And when I got home, my wife was like, what are you, you know, we've no coffee now for the house. And we're going through coffee like a crazy rate. What are you doing? And I didn't realize, and it, it, it was probably about $80 worth of coffee, which is like two really solid bottles of wine. And I just didn't value the product that way because of how I've been working with it for so long. Um, so we'd no coffee in the house. So then I started going to the local coffee shop across the road, and I'm walking my dog in the morning. So like, I get up early, walk the dog, and I went to this local cafe that's, you don't know the name of it. It's not good, but it's not like terrible, but it's just not like, it's nothing special. And they would carry coffee from a decent roaster. Um, it was, it was, you know, I'd get drip coffee. It was a fat goat. It kept it pretty clean. There is a 
you know, it's a little stale, a little flat sometimes. It's one of those, remember in Friends, the Central Park Cafe, lots of couches, very comfy, everyone's really nice, food's terrible. It's, you know, it's that kind of spot, but I'm totally fine getting those coffees in the morning. And they were quite cheap, but I remember thinking like, okay, I can do this, because we, we just need coffee, we have no time to make coffee, I don't have any coffee. Um, and then I started going to better coffees shops, because um, we would, like my wife went back to work after just 10 weeks, actually, I was telling Colin, after having a baby, this is the USA. This is why you should all move to the USA, because you get 10 weeks maternity leave. Um, it's a weird tangent. Um, the thing is, though, I got really frustrated going to the better coffee shops in town and getting coffee. I remember one experience in particular. I got four coffees to go, and it was about 20 bucks. And I just was like, it was a stark comparison to the coffee I'd gotten previously in the other shop. And I know, like, I know why it was better, but it didn't feel better. It was just, you know, four paper cups, kind of gruffly given to me. And I was like, this disconnect isn't happening for me. And I'm supposed to get it. I'm supposed to be one of the guys who understands why this is good. And they just give me four takeaway coffees. It's sort of, and I'm gone, and it's 20 bucks. And I'm like, ugh. So my entire value system started to change. And I started to go to the people who are often our customers. I wanted it hot. I wanted it quickly. I wanted it to be um, delicious. I wanted it to be affordable. And I wanted to comment on takeaway cups for a moment. Like, I love that you can get a cup of something delicious and culinary and complex and walk down the street with it. I love that coffee has that. You can't really do that with a big block of cheese and a bottle of wine um, without getting like weird looks. <laughs> like, but you can do that with coffee. We have this thing and it's great. The de democratic nature of coffee is fantastic. It's something we ought to embrace and yet I often resent it because it does nothing to add to the value proposition. It does nothing to help distinguish our coffee from commodity coffee. And, you know, we, it's, which is, isn't that what we talk about all the time? How do we distinguish this better so you understand why it's a better value proposition for you? So pa paper cups are kind of like, I, I struggle with this. I'm not quite sure what to think. But in that context especially, I was like, ugh, this isn't working for me. And I believe this very much. I believe good coffee is more valuable than bad coffee, and it's worth paying for it made me think, am I just really, really cheap? Is this my problem? Am I just someone who just doesn't want to spend money on stuff, that I want to get free stuff all the time, I'm not willing to spend money for someone? I mean, like, I worked at Intelligentsia for 10 years, and well, seven years, and all these places, and I, you know, I was the ambassador for, like, what good coffee is. I mean, my experience in particular was, like, me being a communicator, an advocate for good coffee. This person, all the work that went into it at origin and processing to the roasting to someone brewing it for me by hand. And then suddenly, when I have to pay for it, I'm like, ugh, I'm not sure this is okay. I'm not sure if I'm, if I'm working with this. And I thought of this kind of, that distinction between flavor versus function. Um, you know, people talk about the coffees you want, not the coffees you need, is James's line, you know? And it's the words we use to kind of explain to uninitiated coffee consumers, he, here's how we think about coffee. You know, we're not just about this caffeine delivery system. You want this flavor delicious thing. Um, and it's been useful terminology in terms of talking to the, the broader market. I'd never really thought of it applying to me or applying to coffee professionals, that we could have two different needs for something. And then I thought, well, do I have two different needs for other things? Do I treat other food categories with sort of two different value systems? And I think I do. I like both of these things. <laughs> I like both of these things. 
These things, these things, anyone know a tato? The Irish do, but that's gonna be, yeah, that was too culturally specific. Um, <laughs> pizza, cheese, oh, and I like coffee with milk. And I like really great coffee that doesn't need milk. They're different products to me, but I kind of treat them the same way, and I want this one sometimes, and I want that one sometimes. And in coffee, I feel like, this is, a, this is not a scientific chart. Uh, <laughs> there's a reason there's no kind of uh, logos of the research entities attached to it. Um, I think this is sort of how we kind of talk about coffee sometimes. And you know, we can probably all agree that the vast majority of coffee out there is not very good, right? We're still, like we, someone was saying earlier on, you still have to know where to go. I still have to check the Colab website for that really handy map to find out, all right, I'm in town, where should I go for coffee? I'm not gonna trust that I can just walk down the street and find a good coffee shop, I'm not crazy. It's just like, <laughs> you gotta know where to go. So, um, and this is why you know, events like this and the Barista Guild and uh, associations, and there's so much work to do because so much coffee isn't good. We, I mean, we're just at the beginning of this, you know? But it's easy to think sometimes we're really moving along. And there's all these things that are okay in the middle, and then you've got the things that are great at the, at the top. But for me, I'm finding that I can't, I can't always afford great, and I don't always want great. And a lot of the times I feel like the, most things that are out there are in this sort of okay middle area. And maybe I am too sometimes. That's, and actually, like, I'm being very honest, it was very difficult for me to understand because it's part of me growing up, it's part of me just having a new sort of like lifestyle all of a sudden, but that like, I wasn't gonna be the person just having fine things all the time. And that maybe I wanted coffee to be kind of available to me in that same way as well, that my values had changed. And to go back a bit, no one, what I'm saying here is not like people aren't, everyone says they're great. Everyone's always going to say, well, we're fantastic. We do this kind of sourcing. We roast like by hand. It's artisan. We're local, blah, blah, blah. And we're all singing off the same hymn sheet. And it becomes a little noisy sometimes. And no one's ever going to say, we're okay. You know, it's fine. You know, we're doing our best. It's not great, but it's, it's not, you know, it's not terrible. Um, they're gonna say they're great, and what I find frustrating, and what I found frustrating that time where I got the four takeaway coffees, is that wasn't great to me, but I was paying for great. I was investing in an experience that was supposed to be great, and it wasn't great. And that's really frustrating, I think coffee is in danger there sometimes, because we're all saying the same thing, we're all setting expectations really high, and they're not always delivering, and it becomes tricky. So, I wanna, be, I, I wanna know what my options are in the okay range. And there actually was, this is a shop in Chicago called Big Shoulders, it's just a few blocks from my house. And I dropped in and just said hi to the owner when they opened, I was working for Intelligentsia at the time. And I was like, hey, I'm Steven, I work for Intelligentsia, how are you? And he was like, oh great, that's fantastic, you know what, there's like loads of great roasters in Chicago, and there's loads of really bad coffee in Chicago, and I kinda wanna be in the middle. And it was so, just so refreshing to hear someone be kind of like, I don't have the means to do what, what this company does or this company does. I don't have 20 years of building relationships with Origin. I don't have all the QC labs you have, the equipment you have. I have this. And I think all of us know that it doesn't take that much to be way better than the swill that is sort of out there most of the time. It's not difficult, you know? We, there's a couple of easy steps to get somebody into that category of like, okay, acceptable, great. And not just talking about bad coffee that you have to add milk to to make it taste good. I mean like solid, sweet, clean machine, fresh roasted coffee. And 
I go here a fair bit, not a ton. And the coffee, I've never had like mind-blowing coffee, but I've had really solid coffee. And I always feel like satisfied with my spend there. And it's, I'm not probably spending way more or way less. And I think almost the interesting thing here is the price doesn't seem to matter to me because everything about how to set up, everything about how the expectations have been communicated to me just feel right and it fits. So what does this mean going forward? What does perfect look like? And I think, when I think about how things are going forward, you think about you know, everything that, that uh, Emma was talking about in terms of like the future ahead of us, there are certain challenges we're facing. We're seeing massive increase in attention, massive increase in demand. We're seeing countries that didn't traditionally drink coffee suddenly starting to drink way more coffee. It's becoming a very different market. That's gonna have an effect on just like our expenses, our cost of goods and everything. And so what do we all think this perfect scenario we're trying to get to looks like? If we imagine a scene where specialty coffee is so beautifully distinguished from commodity coffee, what is that? Is it fine dining? Is it very kind of, you know, fine silverware, fussy, you know, something equivalent to what you might see in a, in a barista competition kind of service all the time that has none of the takeaway coffee culture at all? Or is it a mix? Is it something that is simultaneously high-end and low-end? And I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I think for me, perfect isn't one singular thing. It's, and this is maybe one of my biggest problems with coffee is I feel like a lot of us look to find out what is perfect and try to mimic what we believe is the current trend and match that. And you get this kind of... <laughs> yeah, fine. Okay. <laughs> That wasn't even passive-aggressive, that was just straight-out aggressive. <laughs> um, what the hell was I saying? Uh, thank you. What does perfect look like? Um, and I honestly think about this all the time these days, because I've considered like opening my own coffee bars and like, you know, keenly interested in watching all these places open around the world and seeing which trends are emerging. And it's tough because you see a lot of sameness. And that still has value. I'm not trying to diss people. Like, good trends are trends, good trends for a reason. <clears throat> but for me, I think that things are most interesting when people put their own kind of personal stamp on stuff. Like, my vision of perfect is different to someone else's. And I really believe that when you go to someone's business, if it's coffee or, or food or bakery or whatever it is, that you're, and when you go and buy something from them, you're investing in their personal preferences. You're investing in like the idea that I want to know what they think is good, and that's what I'm going for. And I like that idea in coffee too, that I want to go and see what this person likes from a sourcing point of view, from a roasting point of view, from a brewing point of view. That's what's interesting to me, and I'm going to go invest in that. That to me is sort of more meaningful and satisfying than just kind of like, I, I hear they're good, they're doing, they've got that coffee, and they're doing this brew, and they've got this equipment. That's way less hard, I, I don't connect to that in the same way. The human connection is always far more intriguing to me. Uh, yeah, and I just kind of want to, this isn't a hospitality talk about the need for better service because plenty of people have given that talk before and they've done it really well. I don't want to add to that noise except to say that I do think um, things aren't getting better fast enough. That's not to say every coffee shop sucks or it's every coffee shop sucks at service, but it is, you know, I think when you ask people, especially coffee people, like, what's your favorite coffee shop? They often kind of go, hmm, oh, God, what's, do I like any? 
And it's, it, 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 I've rarely had people go like, here, here, and here, brilliant, go there right away. A lot of them don't for some reason. I'm like, why is that? And I think part of it is we don't let ourselves be customers. We go kind of like, I'm going to go see how they're pulling their shots right now. Or I'm going to see try this coffee. Or I'm going to go see what their technique is like. We go with a very singular focus. We don't just go and let ourselves be kind of taken along and part of the ride. Um, and for me, I kind of want to see these things some more because in terms of if I'm going to have mixed values, I want to see an experience that it kind of encompasses all of that. And these are the four things that are kind of important to me. So please, make it personal, as I was just saying. I want to feel like I'm having some kind of human connection, understanding what you like, what you want, and hopefully that's different to what someone's doing around a corner. That's not this idea of we're doing better coffee than them, because how boring a conversation is that. Hustle for me, which is a weird way to put it, but, um, and I got worried about that line because I was thinking about the conversation we had in the panel about people working really quickly, but I do find it really irritating if I walk into a line. Like, this is one of those with my value system changing. When I go into a busy coffee shop, not even if it's busy, but someone just is so slow and not give me any kind of sense that I'm, or, I'm like in a rush. And it's not hard to, to read a customer and see like this person clearly doesn't want to talk all day. But when you get that person who's just like, okay, you know, <laughs> and walks back, it's so fucking annoying. Um, and it happens a lot. And I don't know what it is, but I, but I do think part of it is that we're not our customers. We, we, we have a different set of values when we're in coffee. And, you know, I'm still very much in coffee, but it's just I've been forced into being the consumer re recently. So just a little bit of hustle, um, reckon, reading me as a customer and knowing that I need that. Um, getting the fundamentals right. Um, yeah, your coffee's great, but that light switches out, your bathrooms are filthy, and this mug is chipped. Like, that happens all the time. You go to so many shops and just the simple things. Like this is one thing at Intelligentsia that Doug Zell always kind of preached about was like, he would just go crazy if a light bulb was out and if it wasn't fixed by the afternoon. And that kind of stuff, it gets missed all the time. And I think we, we don't get to be as angry about people not treating us with more respect when we get those things wrong all the time. And we just gotta kind of really keep a watch on those. Um, my father-in-law has this nice line about if you have a business and your competitor has better product than you, well, that's unfortunate. If they have a better coffee bar than you or a better space than you, a better building than you, you know, they may have, maybe they've got more money. That's, that's not in your control. What can you do? If you've got better promotions than you do, better marketing, that sucks, but it's not your fault. If they have better service than you, you've no excuse. It's the one thing that's completely within your control. And when that isn't right in a place, it's tough to really feel, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Is this like the tamper tantrum hazing? The like, <laughs> um, he went to America, fuck him. He, um, he left us. Um, anyway, that's uh, really hard to stay on topic when those things happen. Um, <laughs> No excuse, thank you. I mean, it's written there. How am I getting lost? Um, but I really believe that. And he said it to me a few times, and it's, it's, it's totally true. And it's, I mean, it's so annoying to bring that service becomes a thing we talk about. But as I go into shops, and I, I have suddenly these different sets of values, and I want coffee to be fantastic, and I want it to be good with my pancakes. You know, they're different things sometimes. I don't always want that incredible transcendent coffee experience.
And I think part of this is people don't always go for a coffee. That saying is very common, it's go for a coffee. But that's really not often what they're going for. They're often going for a chat with a friend, a meeting, and go do some work to go people watch. The coffee is often just a backdrop. It's the soundtrack to what they want to do. That's different for takeaway coffee, of course, but I think that's important to really never lose sight of. That, that the coffee is like the adjective that describes this bigger thing. And we just, our job is to make sure the coffee is always right, but it's not just the coffee, it's getting everything else done too. Um, so my opening title, I'm a world versus champion and I don't want to pay for your coffee, bit sensational. Um, more concerning is I'm a specialty coffee drinker and I don't want to pay for transcendent coffee every single time. Like I don't often love drinking like Kenya coffees all the time. I think they're beautiful, I think they're so interesting and articulate and exciting and sparkling. But I don't always want that. Sometimes I want just a coffee coffee. I want just something simple. Sometimes I want coffee just not to suck. Because so much would suck sometimes. I want just okay coffee, drinkable coffee. And I guess my question to you guys is, am I still your customer? If I'm, low, if I'm nearby to you, are you always pushing that great, 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 transcendent, mind-blowing experience? Or is there a way I can just go and get a coffee coffee and have something simple from you as well? I didn't value properly. Um, I'm going to suspect that some of you guys don't either because you're probably doing the same things I do. We all just had free coffee all day. Um, and I suggest maybe you'd be no harm to try to be a customer again. Thanks. <laughs> you look like you need it. <laughs> Shameless. <laughs> I was tempted to put a box out. I might put my address up and be like, you know. We, we talked about the whip round earlier for, uh, for Charlotte. You can have the whip round. We'll, we'll get all the money for you. Don't worry, so you can buy some coffee. Um, not what I expected when we, were, when we actually talked. And this is the thing I love about Tampa Tantrum is when we ask speakers to, to come on. We normally have a kind of rough idea of what they might talk about or what they might deliver. Um, I really wasn't expecting that. Um, has it been something you've been thinking about just since you left Intelligentsia, or was it, yeah, so just... Yeah, I mean, it, it's, our last two talks were from experts, and this is just me as a consumer, you know, saying like, hey, coffee's really expensive. And I've, you know, I've had a multiple conversations with people here, and people in coffee shops in, in town, and they're all like, yeah, no, it's a big problem. You know why? It's really expensive. And we act like it's not. We act kind of like this cheap, this cheap person won't go and spend his money all the time. But do you do it? It's tough. And I don't drink great wine every single night or great beers every single night. And it's, I don't know, I just, I'm, I'm, it's, it's, it's crazy to me that my experience doesn't mitigate this, that I actually do find it tough. I think also it's, it's, it's you know, I was talking to James Hoffman in Atlanta about it. We were having dinner and I was saying, like, I think I'm going to talk about this. And, you know, he brought up the kind of coffee you want, coffee you need thing and the sort of the, this consuming it as a sort of a commodity in the mornings and I don't know if it's that simple but it unfortunately there is this kind of sense this bifurcation of values that you can have it one way and you know everyone here has drank bad coffee because they had to at some point right that's not like we've all probably recently you know it's not too rare a thing but yeah I, I think the big difference for me between the wine thing that you brought up I didn't bring up wine so definitely can we put on the record I didn't bring up wine and coffee. But um, the wine proposition of cheap wine and expensive wine is 
vastly different. And the proposition of cheaper coffee and something that is more specialty is much smaller. So it's, it's I kind of find the argument much harder to... I think the cheap coffee is probably too cheap and the expensive coffee isn't expensive enough almost. Yep. Um, and that, that's where the real difference is kind of coming between the propositions, what you showed you showed up on the screen of the, you know, the cheap chocolate and the expensive chocolate. That value proposition is very different. Yeah, you're probably right. It is a very short margin all the time. And it's true for like, we've always said that the cost between bad gas station coffee and our great coffee is really tiny. And What's you a gas station? Oh, gosh. <laughs> A gas station? <laughs> it's so tough because in America, everyone's always like, what's he talking about? And I come here and now it's like, what's he talking about? Um, the, uh, the, you know, one euro coffee at the petrol <laughs> saloon <laughs> I don't know. Um, versus, you know, the fancy progressive uh, coffee shop down the road. And then it's like, you know, five euro, six euros. That still isn't a massive spread. I mean, that's kind of, we've all known that conversation, the best wines in the world, best whiskeys in the world, best whatever in the world costs like a fortune for a glass. But coffee, it's like three bucks more. Yeah. Um, so yeah, th I, think, I think definitely that chart I showed, like you'd like the great to be way further that way. And it's sort of like, there's not enough range within great. Yeah, there's, is that on? I think uh, Charles Babinski tweeted recently about uh, he wasn't making any declarations, but he was wondering um, that we're, like we're all uh, well, a lot of people in the industry are pushing for coffee to people to pay more money for coffee so we can pay more money to the farmers. But he was wondering whether actually any if uh, of that money at all is actually going back to the farmer. Like, is it actually there's a presumption that if we charge more money for coffee, that the farmers will be better off, but. I'm not sure that's actually going to happen because if people can charge more money for coffee, like we're seeing in most high street stores now, they're coming up too. Steve? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> that that uh, money's just resting in my account. <laughs> yeah. um, I think it, 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 if you, it depends what your cheap coffee is against your, you know, your specialty coffee. So certainly, I, I, can only kinda, I can only talk personally because I don't buy coffee for, for anybody else, but it's very much, you're probably looking... Except for me, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I would say, you know, from, from certainly from the C price, if you're going to use that as a, as a lever to the prices we're paying, it's quite often, you know, 100, 150% more we're paying and, and more thereafter. Yeah. And then are we charging 150% more than the bag of supermarket coffee that's on the shelf or, you know, and those things? No, we're not. So the actual profit margins are much less because... You, the, we have this whole problem with pricing. Yeah, but there's a, there's a, I think there's an accepted like level of what a cup of coffee costs. And there's an accepted price of what a bag of coffee yeah, costs. Yeah, and there's, there's people so that, and that, and that think about the green cost and all that, but there, there is cafes that open that don't consider any of those things. They just go, well, what do most cafes charge? Well, I'll charge that much money now. And I think that's the biggest problem that we have. You go into a Starbucks, it has sofas, and it has you know music playing, and it has some sandwiches on offer, and maybe some pastries, and they sell coffee. And then you go into a specialty coffee shop, and they have some sofas, they have some music playing, and we don't see the value proposition difference there. So we have to price ourselves at a place that is cheaper, um, you know, that is competing with these guys that are paying a fraction for the coffee, paying their workers, you know, maybe less, not having, you know, looking after their, their, their staff so much and, and build, you know, they have a massive resource behind them of a huge company. So 
Yeah, I don't have an answer. It's really irritating. Like I kept, I was talking to Jen. I was like, I have this thing I want to talk about, but it's it's really a set of observations. I don't really have a solution for it. I don't know if I can say that. Like, okay, I want if you're gonna say this coffee is gonna be incredible. Like you often see a lot of baristas saying like, you know. Uh, or in competition, people say, this person's delivering an amazing experience. I was like, it's not. It's coffee in a paper cup, and I'm walking out the door in a minute. You know, it's not an amazing experience. You know, I just want something good, and I want to go. And I want the, the sandwich I'm having to be good as well. It's not a crazy, mind-blowing experience. I just want it to be good. And I think the problem is we're talking about coffee in this way, like it's kind of like up here. But sometimes we just want it to be good. Yeah. Like a, a guy came to our shop and said to me, he goes, I don't come here because the coffee's great. I come here because it's never bad. Yeah. And the problem is we, just, we haven't done a good job of creating a set of a, a, a value experience or a value proposition, one of those words, for this great thing. And I, 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 and I don't know what that is, but you know, I'd like to go. F- I had a, one of the best coffee experiences I had recently was at a Soho house in Chicago. I was meeting a friend for a coffee, and we couldn't find any coffee shops nearby. And I'm not a member of Soho House, so don't. He is. Don't take that judging away. Um, but you can go in the lobby and sit down and get a coffee. And we went in, and they came over and gave us a glass of water, and we got two coffees. And I think they were probably like a little bit inflated because we were in Soho House, and they were. I got two, I think, Gibraltars, and it was maybe like eleven, twelve dollars. But it was table service. They were solid, and I felt totally fine in that value experience. And then cut to getting four takeaway coffees that cost like 20 bucks. And I, I was like, Ugh, I've, I've been ripped off here. And there's something in that, like I do think the hotel service model, the hotel bar, something about that experience is sort of in- interesting to me. There's something like that might be a better fit for us. But I, I think to sort of, again though, I have a real love for the democracy of coffee and how easy it is and the way all classes come into a coffee shop. I don't wa- want us to lose that. I don't want it to become fine dining, but I kind of do as well. I just want—I want variety. I think we should throw questions down from the audience to Stephen. So, is anybody? Now we're see, throwing down. Stephen then, and not Steve. Good. Thank you. Tried. <laughs> um, <laughs> anybody like to ask Stephen a question? Apologies. Um, the fir- the one thing I wanted to know, just because you've experienced it from both sides. What do you think about the American service model? You know, the lining up one at a time, they make you drink one at a time. How do you feel about it? Because I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us what you think, Taylor. (laughs) I'm thinking back to your comment about the survey questions. You said, and you were like, they might have been leading. And I'm like, well, that question was pretty leading. So, Um, I mean, I don't. The problem with the US and how people talk about it is if it's like the size of Antwerp, as if it's like one town. And it's just vast. And it's completely different on the East Coast to the West Coast, from Portland to LA. These are different countries in my mind. And, and it's, it, I, I've become quite defensive of people who try to pigeonhole the US because it's, it's, just, it's a huge, huge country and there's people from of all different kinds of sorts. And it, it's interesting in that way. And there's people who are incredibly annoying, people who are fantastic and there are systems that are really annoying and systems that are fantastic and a lot of coffee shops have a very like fast food convenience line up order here collect here and go and there's lots of other shops that don't some of the most interesting coffee shops in the world right now are in the u.s so i i I don't know if i can say there's a single u.s service model that i don't see all around europe either um i can say that like the takeaway culture is something I really grapple with, and I think it does hurt us as much as I think I enjoy 
uh, I do like driving to work with a good coffee, but it's tough for us to make to draw that line in the sand when 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 it's so similar to how the the, the lesser quality coffee is served. Another question. You just talk amongst yourselves. It might be a second. How about using different brew methods, maybe, to do that? So something like uh, if I went into a restaurant, then I would probably be able to have a choice of different things that I could order, depending on perhaps what kind of experience I wanted. So I might be able to just go in and get something which was a light lunch offering, I might be able to go back later and have something which was more of an experience if that's what I wanted to do. So do you think that might be a solution? Something yeah. like a batch brew, take away, you're in a hurry, or I can stand and make you a lovely filter coffee. And yeah, I think, you, and you see elements of that all the time. Um, more of that, definitely. I mean, don't you do something similar to that? Don't you used to have the coffee to taste, coffee to drink. Is that you? Drinking and tasting, Stephen. That's it. Yeah. Um, which was Colin's spin on that idea, but like, you know, but that was, I, 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 I'm generally interested in, in people who introduce variety, people who introduce, you know, ways of making it more accessible, but I'm just as interested in people who make it more interesting and obscure and different. You know what I mean? Like, I, it, it, this is not a singular answer. I, I don't, I just, it gets a bit samey. It gets a bit boring in that regard. I, and I'm really spitting out things that a lot of people have been saying to me in conversations, even in, in the last few days I've been here. It just gets a bit like, you see people talk about like, God, coffee's just so, I'm, I'm over it right now. And I just, somewhere is open and I've seen all that same stuff before and this place is open and it looks kind of like that place and they're saying this stuff but so is that person over there. And, and I just, you know, wh I want to see more variety and people being a bit braver and I would be as impressed with people going further high end but people who are also going a little bit more towards making it accessible. Yeah, I see. I see. I hear this a lot from people, not you know, but saying that we, all, we need more variety in our industry, and it's a lot of people saying this. We've had people in Tampa talking to him talks saying they want to see more variety in the industry, and yet when somebody does something that's slightly different to everybody else, they get absolutely like minced for it. Yeah. Like, how dare you do something a different way? Are we talking about a water tasting menu here? I'm not talking about that anymore. Um, but like, that's the problem that we have to allow people to be diverse. Like the, if you run shots at one to one, like 20 grams in, 20 grams out, like as long as that's what your intention is, like I'm like, cool, great, go for it, let's experience this, whatever. But um, people that aren't as intelligent as me, they will say that, um, they'll just absolutely just hammer people for it. Like that's not how you do it now. That's not how we as an industry do it. Yeah, I mean, I'm still, I, I, I'm still trying to find a, a sentence that sums up what I'm trying to say, and I don't think I've done a good job of that yet. But you're, there have been all these calls for variety and for diversity. James gave a talk. Rick Reinhardt gave a talk. I think there's been countless other talks at all these talky, talky, talky events. Um, but what I, I think my revelation is that been like, God, I have variety. I have a variety of needs that not even me who's supposed to get it. I think of coffee, d I want coffee and need coffee differently at different times. And where do I go for that? I don't want to buy crap, crap coffee. So what, what are my options? And when I go to the great coffee, it's not always great. I'm just moaning. 
basically. <laughs> it seems to be you put up a Facebook post when you want some good coffee. <laughs>